episode of the BSR Show. We are the Black Series Rebels. With me, as always, is my boy, Stephen Ellis. Alex Backus, how you doing, buddy? <laughs> buddy, I'm great. It's Monday. It's early. We've got a rad guest with us for the month of rad. Welcome to the BSR Show for the first time, Mav Fiola. Thank you for being here, Mav. What up? Thanks for having me, boys. <laughs> uh, <laughs> this is, uh, this is a, a, a reunion of sorts. Mav yeah. was... Uh, uh, a, a gracious improviser at the second city with Steve and I, uh, uh, Mav has gone on to be a savage in the world of stand up comedy. And we're going to, we're going to talk, talk to Mav about all the awesome stuff going on in uh, the rad world of stand up. But guys, I feel like we willed this month to be pretty rad. <laughs> I feel pretty rad this week. Steve, you feel rad, buddy. If you could have seen me and how rad I got on Saturday, I uh I think how rad I, you get? Uh, I think uh, if you were to check the uh, champagne stock market, the champagne stock market is an all-time high, uh, <laughs> partially due to my household. What is the what is champagne's uh, like their 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 name? Is it like C H M P or is it C A P N? Like what is P A I N? Yes, P A I N. I'll take it. I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> Mav, how are you feeling this week? I feel rad, dude. I feel, <laughs> I feel like I'm blazed 24-7 from this day. <laughs> so uh, for our listeners at home, now obviously this started as a Star Wars show, and over the last year it's kind of turned more into a pop culture show, a conversation show. Uh, for the people at home, Mav, give them a little, uh, just a little idea about what it is you do. I know it's the worst to talk about yourself, especially this early in the morning. Yeah, but for the folks at home... Fine. What, 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 what do you do in the beautiful city of Los Angeles? I mean, right now I do a lot of sitting at home. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I trade stocks in the morning. No, I do I trade stocks in the morning because we've all got to learn how to adapt to this time. But generally I am a stand-up comedian. Um, I've been touring for the last couple of years. I toured with Whitney Cummings, um, Margaret Cho, Ian Harvey, just kind of like, you know, um, have major imposter syndrome, which is, a big thing when you're doing big things. It's like, how did I get here? And who's giving me these opportunities? This is crazy. Um, and just writing and yeah, just trying to, you know, same as you guys break in even further every step of the way, just to get in more and more and more until you're filthy rich. And then you can find out how to get out of here. That's essentially what I'm doing. I'm trying to break in so that I can break out. That's what I'm doing. Yep. You want to get rich enough to leave. I, that's it. I want to pull a Josh Hartnett and I want to leave go live in the middle of nowhere with my high school girlfriend which i didn't have but you know what i'm saying and then come mm -hmm. back years later for really easy transition into like a network show you know like <laughs> some cbs show about yes. like some variety of paramedics and some some like nondescript but big city in this country and once a year uh, you can once a year you can have a huge crossover with like four other shows it'll be great yes a musical yeah you know a musical episode oh this show sounds interesting <laughs> I'm not it's, gonna all, lie. it's all gay it's just uh, gay. yeah as i was gonna say as as a network executive i'm i'm a little confused about where we <laughs> land in the in the slate but i'm willing we're willing to give this a <laughs> give this a shot uh <laughs> so you know, Mav, one of the big things we're trying to do specifically this month, obviously, you know, the month of rat rat is a very sort of general general statement, right? And and yes. I think because we knew that this month there was a good solid chance that it was going to 
maybe not be the raddest of months. And there's still does the the jury's still out on November like November 2020. <laughs> like it, it could still very much not be a rad month. We're still we know one really rad thing happened, but you never know how that rad thing is going to play. I out. don't trust it for a minute. I don't trust I it. I want to see the signed statement. <laughs> I want to see the documents, you know? You want to see January it. is what you want to see. Yeah, you want to see, see January. like January. We've got a new holidays pretending like this is fine. When I, we're the this we're the this is fine dog right now. When I see them tent the White House <laughs> for COVID to fumigate it, that's when I'll go. <laughs> They're gonna have to do a lot more than fumigate. A lot more. Did you did you guys see the gif of the this is fine dog being saved by a firefighter? <gasps> no. It is so the, this is you know the this is fine yeah. dog with the fire around who says this is fine. Somebody on Saturday made a gif of a firefighter running out of a burning building holding him and he's in the exact same pose <laughs> holding his coffee and i was like that that was like the internet hitting such wow. a home run i was like this it was built for days like this yeah when just like joy now uh, there are some listeners at home that are probably maybe not joyful about what happened uh, we're, we're not trying to be the gloatiest like happiest people but you gotta let us have this okay please just let us have this give me one day just give us give us a monday to enjoy this so so obviously this is the month of rad mav and when steve and i were putting together a guest that we thought would be cool for this specific month steve instantly floated your name he's like you know we should call is mav mav should come on the show because the truth of the matter is is that you're you are so much radder than both Steve oh, and yeah. myself. So it actually just got rad. The oh, show, we officially boy. just got rad. Yeah. Boys, are you trying to turn me? What's happening? Like- <laughs> <laughs> so, Mav, what does the word rad mean to you? Like, if you were to kind of distill the idea of radness down, what does that mean to Mav Viola? Okay, in this town, in, in like Hollywood at large, I, whatever town it could be in the future in the the small town you've moved to what is rad there's lots of things that are rad but one thing that is okay what is rad to me right now is people who are able to maintain a really low-key profile amid Ooh. success i'm really floored by people who are are not like gloating or or like um flashing every one of their wins and they're just like keeping a low pro and then i'll find out that they got something super rad i'm like you didn't post that on instagram twitter facebook like you didn't make a twitch and i i'm blown away by that i think it's super rad because it's it's really hard nowadays i think to keep that low profile and to like keep wins to yourself whether that's in your career or your relationship or like your family or your weight loss or weight gain you know what i mean whatever it is that you're like succeeding at, I think it's pretty rad right now to keep things chill. Interesting. That is kind of, I think the way I would define define rad across the board because those people are like the most genuine. So let's distill that down. It sounds like at least what I can kind of, I'm going to use a big word, extrapolate from what you're saying. Is that the right way? Hold on. I need to go look that word up. I'm a writer and I don't (laughs) even know that I use that correctly. Uh, (laughs) <laughs> if I were to extrapolate what you're saying, it, it almost sounds like you're saying, and what you consider to be rad is people that have the confidence in what they're doing and don't feel the need to tell people about it. Yeah. Like 
they're, they're, they take their wins, their big victories, and their life is not published. Their yeah. life is, it's for themselves, not for anybody else. Yeah. To, and to a degree, like, I think it's also great to like, you know, share certain things because it's encouraging for other people who are trying to pursue the same things you're pursuing, or, you know, if you're trying to help a certain community or reach out to a certain community, blah, blah, blah. Like, but having the, like, um, the ability to discern what and why you're sharing what you're sharing and when to keep it private. Like, you don't need to put your whole, like, I'm definitely a victim of the past of like social media, put your whole relationship on blast and I kind of have a different view of it now that I'm a little bit older of just like, I don't know. I kind of just feel like keeping those things to myself, you know, and enjoying it rather than being like, well, what do you guys think who I don't know and care about? Like, Yeah. It's, you know, it's interesting because I feel like the three of us are definitely a part of maybe one of the first generations to really usher in this idea of social media. And mm -hmm. I think we're also the first generation to realize this is lame and yeah. you don't, you, you kind of don't need to be on this all the time. You know, we talk mm -hmm. a lot about it on the, the, um, apologies if my, um, notifications are going off, I'm in a new setup. I hope you guys can't hear that. But we, we talked a lot about as we were doing this podcast and we were transitioning out of our star Wars years, I just kind of wanted to get off Twitter. Mm. Right. I was like, this kind of sucks, dude. Like it's really, I don't like what this app makes me. I yes. don't like that I am in a constant state of sarcastic narcissism and I'm just <laughs> yeah. trying to get people I don't know to tell me that they think what I said is funny when, <laughs> yeah. when really it wasn't that funny. It was just I knew what was happening culturally right at that moment and I was able to quickly chime in on it. In, yeah. in the world of stand-up, do you feel this pressure to be super plugged into Twitter and social media at all times? Or are you kind of like, fuck it, I'll do it on stage? You know, I did at first and then I didn't. And now I kind of do again because of the quarantine and lockdown and there's not as much opportunity live. You know, it's coming back slowly, but yeah, I do. I kind of had this weird shutdown or like I seized creatively in quarantine, which I think a lot of people did. But I put this pressure on myself that literally came from nobody but myself to like create content you know, for Twitter, for Instagram, for whatever, and become some influencer all of a sudden, like as if that would be the only avenue from this point forward into the industry and into success. And I've kind of scaled back and now I feel like, well, if things come to me and I feel like doing it, then I'll do it because it's fun. But I've, I'm trying to really surrender to the like idea that those things mean anything. Because mm. they really don't, and it's, and and they also require a lot of work. As you guys know, you put a lot of work into your show. A lot, like I know you guys are great with marketing. If you're going to be an influencer, or you're going to be somebody who like is posting sketches. You have to do that shit twenty four seven. Like these kids have like camera crews now <laughs> for Instagram. It's not, you know, it's like any industry. It's like a thing that you'd have to like put your mind to and break into, and you'd have to really want to do that. And to be honest, I really think I just kind of am at that age where that's not, unless it's something I feel very passionate about, like becoming an Instagram influencer, it's not something that's going to necessarily like happen unless I were, does that make sense? Were to pursue it really hard. And so I, I think, don't. I think yeah. a lot of people forget how much work goes into making your own shit. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we got this, like, we, we got an email from this company called T public, yeah. The, the other week. And T public is one of these websites where you can like upload your graphic. It sits there and they'll just print your t-shirts as people buy them. 
So you can just upload shit. They'll do it all for you. Cool. And I got this, I got this issue was like, you won't have to deal with any more customer service. You won't have to do anything. And I, and I kind of wanted to reply. I think that's bad. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think actually what you're like, what you're asking me yeah. to allow you to do is bad. Yeah. You're, you're, you're saying, please give us all of your intellectual property. We will be in charge of everything. And on top of that, you don't need to worry about it because we are now your customer service. We now represent your entire merchandising brand. I said that kind of defeats the whole purpose of doing something like this. Yeah. The it's whole- like, it's an autopilot, right? And it's like, I can understand why that is attractive because the idea of having passive income so that you can move on to the next thing is great for a lot of people. But for people who are creative, the idea of not having any input into that side of it is like, are you trying to turn me into a complete idiot? Well, like- I, I think that's what it is. Is it, 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 And I understand. But what it does is, is like, I, I mean, we get countless messages from people that DM us that are like, hey, uh, who makes your pins? Who designs your pins? Or where do you get your shirts made? Or how do you do this? Or how do you do that? And I think that a service like Tee Public caters to someone who doesn't necessarily know how to go on Google and and maybe track down that information. And so it's right. a real easy way for them to just do it. Yeah. Um, but I, I, get, I have a Teespring. Yeah. I have a Teespring that's like. Mm-hmm just some of my simple, easy merch that's like, so that I don't have to think about it so that if somebody right. does want to buy something from my website or whatever, like, and that's easy because it's not something that I'm trying to like necessarily, I'm not trying to build up that arena right now. I'm not trying to become a t-shirt, you know, like <laughs> entrepreneur. T-shirt <laughs> entrepreneur? Yeah. Because I am. I've been trying to be a t-shirt entrepreneur basically yeah. since I was fucking 15. People make good money on tees. <laughs> that fucking Massimo guy, man. I'm telling you. Dude, life is good in the airports? Are you kidding me? That dumb bullshit? <laughs> that guy's filthy rich. Life, life is, is good. So I life. Him. It's funny because I know exactly what you're talking about. The life is good guy. And I, Steve loves it when I bring my weird family stories into this. So I'm going to bring into it. So my, my Aunt Ida, she, she married... <laughs> She married, uh, I guess, who is my uncle Keith, uh, and he had uh, three kids from a previous marriage whose names were Arden, Aaron, and Adam. And Triple A, baby. Triple A, baby. They're from Georgia. God love them. God bless them. Just not the same as this kid from San Francisco. Very different. And they showed up at the first family reunion. All four of them were in matching Life is Good (laughs) t-shirts. Now I was like 13 at the time and I was a (laughs) little shithead and I literally looked at all of them. I went down the line and went, laugh is good. Smile. And I I would not stop saying that the rest of the fucking family reunion. My mom was like, can you, you, you gotta stop fucking saying that. It's not funny. I was like, it's pretty fucking funny that they're all, it's actually really funny that they're all in matching shirts. Like it's not, they're just trying to show that they're like a family at the family. reunion. I was like, Mm, it's pretty weird, Ma. Like, <laughs> in just... case we get lost at the family reunion, <laughs> you know what yeah. to look for. <laughs> it's like a, I'm with him and I'm with her. Shirt <laughs> at a family, like fuck, we know, man. I was at your wedding. <laughs> we fucking know. Like, it's all good. It's like crew neck sweatshirts in periwinkle with like laugh is good in comic sans and it's always like a stick figure like either riding their bike uh-huh. or like playing hockey no shade to anyone at home right now who's wearing a life is good no shirt shit. Like, yeah, that's oh. probably worth something now like life is not so good you guys remember crazy shirt 
Crazy <laughs> shirt? What's crazy shirt? You don't know crazy shirt? Is that bro? like hyper colors where you put your hand on it and it would change the color? No, dude. Crazy shirt was a t-shirt company that was always at like near tourist trap places. So like if you like went to like Waikiki or like New York oh, yes, or yes, like yes, Chicago, yes. crazy shirt had like three like different, like they do like sign bark and it would be like dogs as Seinfeld or like, <laughs> like a great white shark. And it'd say like chomp down on life, like crazy shirt. Dude, crazy shirt walks so life is good could run. Like cra crazy shirt truly is the lamest. Like I'm surprised. Oh, crazy shirt did big dog. Remember big yeah, dog? Yeah, 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 yeah. Big dog is crazy shirt. I'm shocked that like Urban Outfitters hasn't fully bought the crazy wow. shirt line and been like, we're making crazy shirts. We now. don't know that they haven't. We don't know that. <laughs> Urban Dude. Outfitters might be owned by Crazy Shirt. They may have started uh, Urban Outfitters. But isn't that so, what the isn't that what the dude from the room? Isn't that how he got his fortune? So he got his fortune <laughs> selling like, like, you know, world's best dad statues on Fisherman's Wharf. So uh, like, okay. So he made all his money selling like like tourist tchotchkes at Fisherman's Wharf, and then made his way down to Los Angeles, and that's why he had offices all over the country. Wow. They is, were making that movie. Is that what we should be doing? Like, is that rad? Maybe that's like the, maybe the raddest thing that you can do is to become successful at something you don't give a shit about. So here's what I would say. Here's what I would say. Cause you were like, is that rad? Has I would, I would even throw a bigger wrench into it, Mav. I'd love to get your feedback on this, but it's is, has crazy shirt transcended into being rad so so like at mm. first like i'm sorry big dog not rad big dog no. was not rad in the 90s however now if yeah, a kid now. a kid like pops up and he's busting out a big dog t-shirt yeah is that rad yeah that's rad i think because it's vintage right it's vintage and vintage is always rad so, so Steve, you had a kind of a theory that rad sort of is directly tied to your youth. Does this play into this theory? <laughs> I want, I want, I want to hear Steve. I don't say know because I, I got to be honest with you. I, I zoned out for a second because I was like, I got to look up crazy shirts, and I am, I am on crazyshirts.com right now. Still exists. Oh, it's it's in full operation yeah. mode, guys. Do they have big um, bark theory. They've like got, they've got a, a specialty dyed section. Of I mean, tie dye, like, do they have stock? Are they public? Can we buy stock? I don't know. I don't know, but I mean, they've got. You know, I can sign up and to get Aloha Mail from them. Um, <laughs> it's crazy, bro. They, they sell face masks. I'm looking at a line of incredible. Um, some people would consider looking at this bird shot or or bird watching, but it's a lot of uh, men in shorts. Um. <laughs> Men in shorts, yeah. always rad. They've yeah. got, they've got, um, they've got a cartoon line of Christmas, um, shirts that looks like it's BK something cat collection where it's, it's cartoon cats, yeah, yeah, wearing, yeah, the cats. wearing a Santa Claus hat and beard and one wearing glasses, a fake nose and antlers. So that's OG crazy shirt. The cats are like OG. Do you they do collabs? Do they do what? Collabs. Oh, I don't know, but I have a feeling I'm 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 going to their Instagram right now. I Here's want a Supreme Crazy Shirt. I was gonna say, uh, how much you want to bet Supreme is like, do we should collab with Crazy Shirt? Hundred percent. Oh my god. Why wouldn't you? If they've made it this far, it's only up from here. 
Yeah. Should we try to collab with Crazy Shirt? I'm I not going to lie. I think they might be too big for us. <laughs> They've got brick and mortar all over the world. Wow. So, okay. okay. So, wow. Now, okay. Well, we've outrat ourselves. <laughs> I'll, be, I'll be the first to admit that I wore Crazy Shirt as a kid. So, which means I was rad as a kid. 100%. Mav, were you rad as a kid? Oh, my God. I was. I was more rad. I actually talk about this all the time. I, I, I was, and think about it a lot. I was so much more rad as a kid mm. than I could. I'm just, I'm just chasing that rad for the rest of my life because I peaked. <laughs> like a heroin. Can you describe, yeah. thir- can rad. you describe 13 year old rad Mav? Okay. Rad Mav was like, you know, okay. I'll go a little bit before 13 because 13 is when the girls get boobs and I did not. So then things started to get less rad. But before boobs, I was so rad because I could like beat all the boys. You know what I mean? I was the fastest kid. And like that was cool. When you're in elementary school, that's the rad. Like boys have crushes on you, which is the only you end up gay later. It doesn't matter when you're a kid. Everybody's straight. (laughs) You're not allowed to be gay. So I was straight. Boys, all the boys loved me because I was the fastest. I was the funniest. I was president of the elementary school. My speech to get the presidency was literally everyone scoot up an inch. Everyone scooted up an inch. Everyone scoot back an inch. Everyone scooted back an inch. I just got you to clean the cafeteria for floor in less than a minute. Imagine what I could do for you in a year. Hold on a second. That was your speech. Cause I read that on your yes, website. That was my speech. I was nine. And then I was just like, hands up. And then I won. Like, so I was, I was some kind of different level rat as a kid. And then puberty hit. And it was like, okay, well now I'm just, I don't know what I am. And then it was like the long journey till like, oh, I'm gay. So now I'm going to cut all my hair off and get tattoos. And then I'm back to sort of being rad, but still never going to be that rad. <laughs> You're manufacturing the rad. You're like, cool, cool. So I'm, I'm gay now. Great, 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 great. Uh, tattoos, yeah. check. Uh, cool, super, super textured, tight haircut, super yeah. rad, like backwards hat, like loose fitted hoodie. Have I'm to. rad. Had That's to. exactly that's that's me though i do the same thing like i found myself like a week ago going i think i need to get a tattoo at this point in my life because at this point i'm running out of i'm running out of coolness like we're see the end of the runway like i'm inches away from being like tonight like last night i watched mr holland's opus completely unironically i'm sorry it's a really good film that movie slaps dude slaps the the kids were his opus (laughs) Did you know that, Steve? The kids were his opus. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful boy. Beautiful, beautiful. <laughs> oh. He goes, oh, and he like does it all. Dude, that's oh savage. God. Dude, it's savage. Dude. I love that we're so vain. Like all of our levels of cool are just like manufactured. And like <laughs> we've basically been like had the most rad things happening in the streets of our cities and like yeah. in our elections and we're like i got tattoos makes me pretty rad <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm like wait, like it's been four years of organizing people <laughs> trying to change the world and they're like i caught mr holland's opus last <laughs> night that shit's pretty savage dude like think about that he has a deaf kid and he loves music that's a yeah. really intense that's an intense lifestyle for a man yeah like, nobody has oh. time for dismantling the like police department okay like <laughs> moving on we have mr holland's opus to watch <laughs> matt's like i got kids to clean up the cafeteria floor by scooting backwards and forwards 
So I think I know a little something about organizing. And so it sounds like you were pretty rad as a kid. I was so pretty like rad you, as a kid. Were you a troublemaker? No, I was actually, well, I think I had my moments. Like I was pretty rebellious, but in ways that like, weren't like I had, um, I, I was really like, I hated the color pink. So like I locked myself in my room, and, like covered my walls in like baseball what? cards, you know, like I was pretty, I was pretty cool, but I, I think the rap tomboyish was that like, no, I, I, and I don't know if that's even yeah. necessarily a PC phrase. So I apologize. I don't give a shit. But like, uh, so you were into like what would be considered at, at the time, masculine fucking activities. Now I think everybody's yeah. kind of flushed that shit down the toilet for, for yeah. better. But like, but we so don't you were into like punk rock, skateboarding, baseball cards, all that Everything. shit. I was athletic. Like I just, I, I just didn't even think about it. it. Didn't even phase me. I just did whatever I wanted to do. And the only really people that stood in my way were like, you know, my family who were older and were like, what's happening? You know, I'm like we're Catholic and conservative, you know, like this is Virginia. You know, and I'm like, I am a little boy. My name is Matthew and I'm going to go beat some boys up right now. And they're like, but you're going to do it in a dress. Like it was, it was. I was rebellious for sure, but not in a defiant way. Like I wasn't trying to define anything. I was just trying to like be myself, you know? When do you feel, and, and please forgive me if this is getting too personal, we can go back to talking about crazy no, shirts, okay. but what, what, at what age, when, when do you feel like you truly, you felt comfortable? I'm just curious, like with yeah. yourself, when was that, when was that moment where you're like, this is who I am now. I, I fully like understand what, what, who, who Mav is, or was it, was it like a slow drip? It's a slow drip. And I would say probably my thirties, just kind of coming into moving to LA, getting away from Virginia was kind mm. of like the starting point. It like kicked it off. And then it was really just like a slow drip of trying to figure out who I was and what I'm about. But like the things about me as a kid that were, that I think were rad, which were like, you know, I was very open-minded. I like loved everybody. I like challenged things. I was very curious. Like those are still just, you kind of just grow up and, and resort hopefully eventually back to who you were before the fucking world got to you, you know? And that's kind of where mm -hmm. I feel like I'm settling now where it's like, sure, I can have tattoos and hair and stuff like that. But that was really just me trying to explore and express. And now I like, I mean, you know, you can see me right now. I clearly don't give a shit what I look like. <laughs> My hair's like all grown out ragged. Like it's more about getting back to and being confident in, in those like original badass rad qualities that we all have and we all start out with. You and said something really interesting. It. You said something really interesting, which is like before the world got to you. Yeah. What, 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 what does that mean to you? Like, how did the world, like, did it, did it try to change you in some way? Or do, do you feel like you were pretty resistant to that? Or did it really quite literally mean like Los Angeles was the place where you felt you were able to really come into your own? Yeah. I would say that before the world got to me, it was like, once it was just like enough things were stacked against me as I grew up trying to be myself and you just kind of cave, you know, and you're like, okay, well, Everybody wants me to be this version of like gender is an easy thing to talk about because I am clearly like gender fluid. So everyone wants me to be this like beautiful little girl and dresses and this, that, and the other. And you hear that enough and you, that you just, me personally, I just kind of like caved and was like, all right, whatever. Like I'll wear the dress. I'll do the thing. I'll have the boyfriend. Who cares? Um, so that's what I mean by the world kind of gets you. And then, and you, you're doing that stuff long enough that you almost lose sight of who you were or, you know, originally. Mm -hmm. And then moving to LA was like, oh, I mean, literally the first thing I realized was like, 
there's hot women who are also gay. <laughs> yeah. Like LA, I moved here and I was like, lesbians are cute here. <laughs> this is blowing my mind. And then it was, <laughs> and then it was like, oh, you're not going to get like, you know, I mean, yes, there are parts of LA that in people in LA, it's still a big city. So there's people who are like, you know, homophobic and this, that, and the other. But for the most part, I just felt really safe here to explore those things. And then I started doing things like Second City with you guys and then stand up and just being around people who like were like-minded and open-minded and curious and interesting and dynamic where, where I'm from, it's just, that's just not encouraged. So it's really difficult to mm. push through that. Cause you're, you're pushing through that on your own, you know, my, one of my, one of my earliest memories of Mav uh, was my, my then who would have been my high school sweetheart at the time I was still dating her, came to a second city show. And I remember, I think we went out to Bordner's afterwards yeah. and it was like everybody. <laughs> and I think Mav, you got one look at my, my <laughs> girlfriend at the time. And you looked at me and you went, that's your girlfriend. And I was like, yeah. And you went, man, I thought you'd be into the hot lesbians in Silver Lake. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh my God. I went, you're like what I, I, at the time i mean i'm tw like 20 at the time and i was like i don't know what this means but i think <laughs> I, mav, I think mav might be right <laughs> I, I think mav might be right <laughs> oh my god it's so funny dude what? our memories of early days at second city because that was like i don't know if you remember like i had long blonde oh hair. i was gonna say you I had was... like the longest hair yeah, Miss, misty was, like... was in the corner with hockey jerseys on like oh my God, Misty. you know chris Ryder was just like i'm just here to have fun dude like, Kristen's older too oh like, yeah we're chilling she's like a huge exec now. i know like, she's like the shit we were chilling everybody's great Haley, you know yeah. Terrace being one of my best friends like or she is my best friend she's funny as shit like we had a ball but it was a lot of self-discovery and that was a really big you know that was a big, big turning point for me, I think, was like putting myself out there in a creative way. I'd never done anything like that. And like, yeah. you know, having supportive people like our troop and everybody that was in our classes who was just, it was just fun. And like having the opportunity to explore different characters and identities on stage, I think helps if you're someone in real life who is trying to find their identity because it doesn't quite fit in to the norm. Like it just helped me. I just all of a sudden was just like, oh, life is dress up. So like, let's have fun you know yeah improv has a, a really great way of helping people discover who they are for yeah. that exact reason you are constantly trying to qu quickly and on your feet relate to something that you wouldn't particularly naturally fall into in everyday life which sort of forces a level of empathy and sort mm. of understanding the the choices that you make so it's it's always funny to me i you can't be a good improviser and be closed-minded it's impossible right no it's, ac I... it's actually impossible yeah, it really is. Like you're going to be one note because you don't have the ability to really go like you. That's why they always say, don't focus on the funny, focus on being honest, the funny you know, because come. that'll, it really will come because it's more important that people believe you first. And yeah. once people believe you and who you are, then they'll laugh at everything you do. So that uh, let's, know? let's, let's bring that into stand up a little bit. How have you kind yeah. of taken that philosophy and applied it to stand up comedy. Cause I've actually never done, I've never done it. Never Alex, done it. What you're really? doing it right now. You've been doing it for the last 20 minutes. <laughs> I've never done like it. My cheeks are killing me. It's, you know, honestly, like, I don't think I would 
ever been able to do stand up had I not done improv first. Mm. Um, how did you? Yeah. How? What was sort of that first step? I always wanted to try it, and I just had a. I was working at the Ace Hotel, like just in the restaurant, and I was the host. And enough people said to me because I was just like at the host at the front of the restaurant, like right. entertaining whoever was there. And enough people said to me, like, you should try stand up. Are you a comedian? That finally I just was like, I think I'm going to try it, you know? And I did it. I did an open mic and like, like every comedian, it says, it's just like, and that was it, you know, <laughs> like, and then it was just about finding my voice, which I'm still finding. And I think you'll, you're forever finding. Um, and being honest and talking about real stuff. And like, once you, once you do that, the possibilities in stand-up are endless. And I think that's really the hardest part. The hardest part is not like, just like improv. The hardest part is not being funny. The hardest part is not like getting an audience. Like all those things come. The hardest part is pushing yourself to tell hard truths mm. and be really personal. And if that's your genre, I mean, some people don't talk about themselves at all. But for me personally, I started realizing like the things that land, even if I thought this joke was really, really funny, the things that people like from me are personal. and you know, reflective of like my life experiences or the way that I look, because that's the first thing people see. So I have to address that. I can't like pretend like that's not a thing. It's the first thing audiences see, especially if they're like straight in the middle of the country, you know, it's, yeah. and it's fun to do that. I don't mind doing that. I really like connecting with people in that way. But I do think that, that the way that it transitioned, what I learned from improv that applies to stand up is just being genuine. And with stand up, really your character, you just have the one character, which is just you. You know, so it's easier in that sense because you're not having to, you know, be other people. You really just get to be yourself. Um, I always support if you fail. <laughs> what scares me about it, what scares me about stand up specifically is that I, I consider myself to be reactively funny. So I, I find that my humor mostly comes from somebody doing something and then me being able to comment on that thing. So yeah. I've always like, so obviously the, I guess the direct, the direct path would be like observation if I wanted to be like an observational comic, but then I'm yeah. like, oh, I don't want to be an observational comic. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you would do incredible crowd work because even though that's like, you know, that's not going to like get you, you know, like the level of respect, but it can like help you get on stage. If you, I'm saying, if you wanted to try it, write like a couple of bits that you think are funny. And then I bet you would very naturally, if you let yourself just improvise with the crowd. And at least that would get you like acclimated to, you know, the role of being a stand-up comedian, being solely by yourself on like with a microphone in front of people. I do, I do that all the time. Like, I think that was like, I did, so much i still i love crowd work it's so much fun but i think that that helped me like letting go of the idea that i have to write perfect jokes and then i'm not going to be respected or that's like you know lowbrow or whatever who cheating who cares like it gets you acclimated and it gets you better at writing because you're writing yeah. on your feet. Mm. um so it could at least maybe like how i just think you'd be really good at <laughs> well i appreciate I appreciate your confidence in me. <laughs> or you could pull like an improv and you could be like, let me get a topic. <laughs> yeah. I mean, to be honest with you, that's probably, I'd be fucking lazy and probably do it that way. Uh, not, okay. So, so you're still, so obviously you're in a holding pattern because of the pandemic. Um, do you see a world soon where you might be able to 
get out and do stand up again? Are you hearing that clubs are trying to figure out ways to do it or are yeah. you pretty much just like, fuck it. I just got to wait until I'm, I'm told kind of, I can do it. I'm kind of both. Like I see that, you know, big, like I know Whitney's been touring um, and selling out and doing like the, but she's Whitney, you know what I mean? So, so that's kind of, um, you know, she's fortunate in that sense, but she's also extremely hardworking in that sense. So she's been able to kind of like merge those and make it work and make it happen. I think Eliza Schlesinger's done the same thing. So if you're at that level, I think there's ways. So you haven't um, done any of like the pop-up drive-in like things in no, Irvine and I've so only, forth? I've only done Zoom shows. And then I just started recently being like, okay, I guess I would do the pop. I'm, I'm scared, honestly. I'm like terrified of like, they're like, we wipe down the mic. We do this, that, and the other. I'm like... But <laughs> I'm going to get COVID. <laughs> like, I don't know. Yeah. I'm a little bit scared. I'm apprehensive. I kind of want to see the numbers like even out a little bit before. And I joke that I'm like, who's going to be there? Who am I performing for? Just like a bunch of other comedians. Like I don't <laughs> just to get COVID. Um, so, yeah, it's definitely I'm a weird. It's hard to look at that graph and feel comfortable like going out and making jokes on yeah. a thing where everybody's like expelling fucking droplets into the air like it like like <laughs> you're literally getting on a stage and yelling at people to just like cough yeah. on you yeah you're you're quite literally like stand-up's the only job where if you had a good day more covid was sent yeah. at you <laughs> that's so funny see you just wrote a joke dude for the stage like you're in hey but it's that's what i got hey guys so i've been thinking <laughs> This is the only job where if I have a good day, I'm going to get COVID from one of you because you've laughed in my face. It's true. That's though. my time. That's my time. Everybody have a great night. I'm going to go die. Yeah, I'm going to go die. And then the, the oh actual God. end of my stand-up special is just like my obituary. Alex died <laughs> from COVID because he made so many people laugh. Oh my yeah. God. It's so, also, it's not even just that though. It's also like, you know, material feels, oh God, it's, it's, I want to write new stuff. Right. But it's um, like, I would do my own material. Sure. But I also feel that it's time to write new material. And I'd like to do that before I get up. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I haven't been focused on that as much as I've been focused on other things, trying to pivot and take advantage of the time to, you know, work on script writing and that type of stuff. So I do feel excited. I do feel like there it's opening up and people are doing more shows and that gives me, I feel encouraged, but um, I think it'll be a minute before I'm like, you know, spraying an audience. <laughs> so this, this is going to sound, and I, I don't know, obviously you could just say, I don't know, but is there a way that people can support their favorite comedians that aren't able to perform right now do a lot of them are they twitch streaming are they selling you know are they just performing on youtube and selling yeah shit I, off that like what's what's the plan i wish that i knew better but i think that um but for the most part people are trying to do yes like twitch shows where you can like you know buy a ticket or you can donate you know to people's cash apps or venmos and stuff like that but i yeah i don't think there's enough i don't think there's enough you know, like, um, ways for comedians right now who aren't working to make money because even when we are working, there's still not a lot of opportunity to make money. Yeah. <laughs> but like, imagine, imagine all the comedians that aren't in New York or LA that like don't have the opportunity to kind of get some writing gigs or yeah. know, things like that. It's like, I'm trying to figure out what are they doing? I really, to be honest, I don't know. 
I crazy shirt franchise. Crazy, <laughs> crazy shirt franchise. They probably are trying to figure out ways to pivot. I mean, I am. I'm all the time just trying to figure out other ways of like, okay, that isn't that isn't coming to me right now. You know, the tours and all that kind of stuff. The momentum has slowed down for everybody in the industry, top to bottom. So, like, what are other things that we can be doing? I guess if you don't live in New York or LA, you can still do that because you can be, you know, sending query letters that will get nowhere. <laughs> I feel remember query letters. Oh my god! No. I used to be responsible oh. for like getting rid of them. I know. I remember you in mail rooms and shit. Yeah, it basically oh. like when you first start like screenwriting or whatever, you, like back in the day. Yeah, you cold call or you send like a letter, oh. like pitching your idea, and it's nobody, nobody gives a shit. Well, do you know how terrible <laughs> it was to be like a twenty-four-year-old kid working a front desk, and you'd get oh. phone calls from people. They were like, hi, I'm a screenwriter in Oklahoma, and I wrote a script that I think matches up really well with your company, and I just, I wanted to get information for who I could send it to, and it's like, you basically have to go, uh, do you have an agent? No. Okay, so you need to get an agent, then your agent needs to contact our agent, because otherwise, legally, because like, legally, an and like, you'd have to stop them. They'd be mid-sentence trying to give you their logline, and you're like, I can't hear this. Like, like legally, stop I cannot hear this. this. Please is. stop telling me. You know, you're like, you need to get an agent, and they're all great. How do I get an agent? And you're like, you need to sell something, and they're like, great. Will you buy this? And you're like, no, you need to get an agent. <laughs> like, it's terrible. It is so, terrible. I feel like there's probably a lot of people listening to this show that have actually. I I have a feeling there's a lot of a lot of people consider stand up. I think a lot of people hmm. want to try it. I think if you were to give like one piece of advice to people listening at home, like what would be if they wanted to get rad and get into stand-up and sort of find the best version of themselves, like we've been saying, what, what mm -hmm. would be your what would be your tip? I would say deep dive into it as much as possible because I'm sh I'm always shocked when I go on the road by how many people come up to me afterwards and say that it was their first comedy show they've ever been to. And I think that I'm always shocked. I'm like, you've never been to a stand-up show? And they're like, yeah, I watch it at home, but I've never been to one. I don't think a lot of people go. So I would say if you are interested in stand-up at all and doing stand-up, go to as many shows. Obviously, you can't right now, but like stream them, you know, jump on, like follow their Instagrams, immerse yourself in it, watch as much as you can. And then right now, because there's not, you know, as much live stuff, just start trying to write jokes, literally. Just writing bits and not even writing jokes, just writing down things that interest you, things that you think are funny, like have a notebook on you 24-7 because you're going to forget everything that you think of. You'll be like, oh yeah, I do this all the time. I'll be like, oh my God, that's so funny. I have to remember to write that down. And then later I'm like, I don't even remember that I had a funny thought, you know? I use my notepad in my phone. Yeah, voice notes. Yeah, voice my, notes. Yeah. yeah. Any, any way of like just recording everything that you like observe, think is funny, and really just start getting in the habit of writing, A, and then B, like exposing yourself to that industry. So you can find people that you you like. I mean, that's true in every industry, right? It's like, oh, I really like the voice of Wanda Sykes. Like, she interests me. I like what she stands for. I like what she talks about. Like, is that me? And do I have that kind of voice? Maybe not. Maybe I'm more like, you know, Bill Burr. Or So just kind of like doing your research right now, especially mm -hmm. while there's a lull and getting yourself really ready. And then once things start to kind of open up, go to as many open mics as you can and just push yourself to get up there. And just be proud that you got up there and that's it. Like that's your only goal at first is to just get on the stage, hold the mic and speak for the two minutes that you get. Hmm. And the rest of it will just start to fall in place. It really will. 
I love that. Just get up there. That's it. Just get up there as much as you can. Because most people, like, you know, they say it takes like 10 years. Like, what is Jerry Seinfeld said that? It's like 10 years before you have like a good five minutes. (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't come easy. It's not something you'll just, you'll know. I think what you know pretty quickly in stand-up is whether or not you enjoy it. And it's a challenge that you accept. You'll know that pretty quickly. Um, being good at it will take a long time. That's that's the you just gotta you just gotta accept that hard truth early. <laughs> you heard it here, folks. Hard work, dedication are the ways yep. to become a rad stand-up comic. And <laughs> just become a rad anything or t-shirt a, salesman, whatever. Yeah, whatever it is you want to be, whatever the rad version of yourself that you're trying to accomplish, guys. I feel like. It's been pretty rad. This has been a pretty rad. rad. This is the weirdest topic for a month ever, especially (laughs) because it's only our second time doing a themed month like this. Everyone's like, "This October was like way easier because it was Halloween themed." (laughs) Yeah, next month's gonna fucking slap, dude. Fucking, what's your favorite holiday movie? I don't know, man. What do you like to eat for fucking ham, baby? Like, it's gonna be the easiest. But for some reason, I thought, you know, we should do in November a philosophical conversation about what rad means to ourselves. But why not? (laughs) <laughs> truly, Mav, truly, we're, we're both, I know I speak for Steve and I when I say we're so stoked for you. It's so awesome to see anybody that you've respect creatively doing amazing creative things. Oh, thanks, uh, our audience is really lucky to even be able to hear just a little bit of your perspective. You know, one of the things we really wanted to do with this show is challenge ourselves to open fucking, you know, people up to maybe some stuff that they're not used to hearing or not comfortable you know, sort of, Oh, like I feel what's weird about this show is I always feel this need to be like, now I know that we normally talk about star Wars, (laughs) but we're going to talk to this woman about how she became comfortable with herself and recognize that she's gender fluid. Is is that something you're okay with star Wars? Babe, I'm sure they are. To be honest, like that it's my favorite audiences doing standup are like the straightest. Like I love going to like the middle of America and just being like, what up? Cause I find that like, I don't know. I love straight dudes. I think straight dudes are the most like open, fun, like can I can like roast the shit out of an audience of straight dudes. And they're just like, <laughs> they just like love it. Like nobody likes being roasted more than a straight dude. And you wouldn't think that <laughs> with me. I don't know why, but it's I'm down. So I hope they I hope your fans flood my like DMs and like <laughs> ask me all the hard questions, you know, the hard, yeah, the, the fighting questions. Uh, so when baby Yoda, like that's going to be the hard, the hard questions you're going to get. Uh, no, I mean, listen, we are, we, we're really, we've really tried to push ourselves to sort of create this culture of rad around our show to, 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 if you're going to do something yourself and you're going to create things yourself, you might as well, be the change and be the thing that you want to see in the world. And I think you are sort of the, a really shiny example of what happens when somebody is super true to themselves and super rad. So we're really honored to have you on the show talking about crazy shirts and everything. Uh, If the people want to, if the people want to flood your DMS with the hard (laughs) questions, where can they find you online? Uh, Everything is at Mav Viola, M-A-V-V-I-O-L-A. Nice. Where can people find what was, uh, yeah, come at, come at me, bro. <laughs> Steve, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Rex Manning and look me up on Letterboxd to see all my bad hot takes on movies. 
uh, uh, you can find me at Alex underscore Baggis on Twitter or at Alex Baggis on Instagram. Uh, I just gave Mr. Holland's opus on Letterbox a four and a half. So yes, you, you want to talk about hot takes? Fucking come <laughs> at me. You are but a beautiful boy, said, Alex Baggis. <laughs> Thank you. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful boy. Beautiful, beautiful. I said the new theme song. <laughs> cool. Thanks for tuning in, guys. We'll see you on Thursday.